Welcome to the Inside OU Podcast, brought to you by New Balance of Edmond, featuring Keegan Renault from SoonersWire.com, powered by USA Today, and Brady Trantham. Hello, Brady. Bob Stoops here. Appreciate the great Sooner fan that you are and have been for all these years. Boomer Sooner. I don't mean this as a, I'm not trying to throw Keegan under the bus, but he is younger than me. Mm-hmm. And he's not as enthralled with Oklahoma history as I am. I'm a gigantic nerd about OU history, Mike. I mean, when I was a kid, I would I'd get on Soonerstats.com and just look up old schedules and look up old like scores and see like, wow, I, I didn't know Santa Clara was a football school at some point. Hey, and they had <laughs> uh, who was the dude who played for the Colts that was a really good. I'm trying to remember. Um, he was a defensive end, but yeah, I know I, I didn't either until. I looked through some of that t- stuff too. I thought, well, Santa Clara, yeah, well, Steve Nash and the basketball team, right? But yeah, I no, think they, they, they had a pretty good football team back in the day. Yeah, I think they were one of the. I think they were the the last team to beat OU before they before Wilkinson went on his first like what was it a thirty one game winning streak, and then they lost. Then they had a an average season, and then the forty seven game was, winning streak. I think it was started. Gino. I think it was Gino Marchetti. I'm going to put my old man glasses that on That sounds familiar because I remember it being an Italian name, but I could be wrong. Okay, keep talking. I'm Googling. Go, I'm going to go ahead and Google it up. <laughs> I look like Barry. Now I look like the neon version of Barry Trammell here. There you go. That's not that's that's not bad at all. I wish I was Barry Trammell right now. Hey, Barry's a great writer, a Hall of Fame journalist. Gino Marchetti. But yeah, because I had no idea. I was like, where did that dude go to school? And I'm almost positive that's who it was. Yeah, now so, I got to know. So, you know, basically what I like to do every single year, um, because I love OU football history so much, is I try to go, okay, what no, he player? Played at the, he played at USF, the University of San Francisco. But there's another one out there. Okay. who? Go ahead. Bill Walton played at San Francisco, right? Bill Russell. Or, Bill no, Russell. Or Bill Russell did. Yeah, yeah. Bill Russell. Excuse me. Because uh, right. I saw I saw a picture of him. Like, let's go off on these weird tangents. I saw a picture of Bill Russell in college when he was in college, and it just said USF on his jersey. And I was like, he played at South Florida. Oh <laughs> no, that's my bad. They won a national championship, man. <laughs> USF. I remember um, back in the seventies when I was growing up, they had the number one team in the country, and they had a guy named. Winfred Boynes on their roster from Capitol Hill in Oklahoma City was one oh, of wow. their starters. So, yeah, the Dons had some. Of course, Eddie Sutton, that's where he got his 800th victory was at USF. Yeah. Oh, man. Now, now that you mentioned Eddie Sutton. I, mean, I know. 2020 Eddie sucks. Sutton and Billy Tubbs in one year. Are you kidding me? That's too much. Way too much. Our coaching up in heaven, I would hope. But, um, but yeah, so, like, I – every single year I try to go, like, this – good OU player who does he most kind of recognize or who does he most comp with from the past like whether it was under Switzer um, whether it was like the first 10 years of Bob Stoops compared to the 20 the first the second 10 years of Bob Stoops I like to do that so um, the thing that I've been so for example the thing that I've been kind of toying with in my own head over the last few days especially after Bedlam on Saturday is Mikey Henderson if you just put him in the 80s is a fullback in the wishbone and he's like Lydell Carr and obviously Lydell Carr played before I was even born, but I mean, there's a, you can find any game from the late eighties on YouTube for OU. Uh, okay. So it's not hard to, it's not hard to look that up. So um, I'll ask you just kind of a few random players. If you can think of something quick and it doesn't have to be from the eighties or the seventies, it can be from even more recently. Um, and I'll, I'll give you mine. 
and then you can, I can give go, me yours. I can go Mikey Henderson right now. I'm going to oh, go Steve, Steve Sewell for Mikey Henderson. Steve Sewell. Okay, so the do-everything guy. Uh, yeah, he, he was... could run the ball, catch the ball. Now, they didn't throw it as much then, but and Mikey Henderson's becoming a factor. He's becoming a really good player, and he's very versatile. What they can do with him, um, they can line him up at a bunch of different spots. But uh, I'll go Steve Sewell on Mikey Henderson. I like that. That's even better than mine. I thought I was going to be the smart one with Mikey Henderson. Oh, well. Um, let's see. Let's do Ronnie Perkins. Ronnie Perkins. Um, Cedric Jones. Cedric Maybe a Jones. little bit smaller. Cedric Jones, who is a great. He has the sack. Uh, yeah, sack guy. Title. I think he played with the Giants for a while. Yeah. So I would say because it's probably a little bit harder for a pass rusher if you go into the 80s and the 70s just because defenses were like the concepts were so much more different and teams didn't pass the ball that much so you didn't need a pass rush you needed to stop the run so to me for in terms of motor in terms of impacts i see dan cody a lot and then what he did on saturday mike it looked like something Dan Cody would have done, getting into everybody's face, just screaming yeah. at everybody and Slamming setting the tone. Spencer Sanders to the ground, which had took Sanders out of the game. I don't think yeah. it was dirty. I just think no. he's trying to bring him down, and he's so strong. But, uh, yeah, that's a good one. I like that. Ronnie Perkins probably more physically talented than Dan Cody, I mean, from an NFL future standpoint. But I, I think the impact is there. Um, okay, let's go Marvin Mims, true freshman. Hmm. Marvin Mims, um, maybe a better version of Malcolm Kelly, but Malcolm Kelly was a little taller. Wasn't Malcolm Kelly like 6'3"? Malcolm Kelly was tall. He was a possession yeah. guy. Um, so maybe I'm trying to think Billy Brooks back in the 70s who ended up playing with the Cincinnati Bengals. Um, I can honestly say I've never seen a highlight of Tinker Owens, but I know he was good. Oh, <laughs> just, Tinker Owens, man, he caught everything thrown in his direction. He had great hands, man. Yeah. Number 11 back in there. Was Tinker number? I believe he was. Um, so, yeah, Tinker Owens was big time and uh, played a little bit in the NFL. Yeah, played play for the Saints, I think. Yeah. There's a there's a Tinker Owens jersey at the brew house in Norman framed on the wall. I always remember seeing. But Dude, he was a heck of a wide receiver, man. If he would have played in this day and age – he would have been the sure-handed fade route guy, uh, the guy who caught everything. Like oh, yeah. Fred, or like Fred Bolitnikoff back in the day without the stickum. Of course, <laughs> Fred Bolitnikoff, everything. He had green goo all over his hands. No kidding. At all times. Isn't he the dude he put it on his pants, too, or his jersey? Mm -hmm. That's just ridiculous. Yeah. My, mine, my comp for Marvin Mims, and I'll fully admit that I think Marvin Mims is going to be better than this guy. If not, he's already better than him now. <laughs> is Antoine Savage. I think that their playing styles are fairly similar. Uh, they can both make impacts in the return game. We saw Antoine Savage do that a handful of times throughout his career. Uh, but S Antoine Savage, in my opinion, gets forgotten when Underrated. you're talking about... Yeah, it just but he made plays in big games all the time. And he was just one of my favorite uh, Sooners once I started getting into OU football when I was a kid. So some of those guys on that Stoops team, you know, Fagan's kind of the Curtis same way. Fagan was the guy I was thinking of too. And uh, all those guys, they had uh, Andre Wolfolk play both sides, you know, played corner and played some wide receiver. They, that was an amazing team, really, if you think about it. I mean, they weren't talented, but they weren't like ultra talented, but they, they had a great chemistry and they were well coached and they won the national championship. Yeah. I mean, Josh Norman's probably another good comp. If you're going to talk about yeah. 
no um, doubt. Uh, Mikey Henderson, they're kind of fairly similar in terms of what they look like, at least. Um, two more. Let's do, and I don't even know if we can even make one for this just because um, OU's never really had a gigantic res- tight end like Austin Stogner. They've had great tight ends in the past, but Keith Jackson was a complete athlete and as fast as a running back. Stogner, love him to death. He's he's not as fast as Keith Jackson. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jermaine Gresham, uh, Mark Andrews, uh, Trent Smith. Yeah, Grant uh, Calcaterra, now Steve, Auburn. Of Steven course. Alexander, who was also, and I know this because I randomly watched one summer, I think OU play San Diego State from 96, 97, I think OU lost the game. They were on the road. Uh, they played Marshall Falk, and there was one play. I watched it on YouTube, by the way. I didn't watch this live, but I was watching it. OU throws an interception. The guy has nothing but green grass in front of him, and it looks like he's going to score. Steven Alexander just comes out of off-camera <laughs> angle and just chases the guy down. I'm like, dude, I thought he was just big. So I can't really even think of a good comp for Austin Stogner. That I mean, that's hard. I mean – Grant Calcaterra. I know it's real too soon because Grant Calcaterra was, you know, there before him when Cal Calcaterra retired and now he's going to Auburn, but I'm trying to think of any back in the, in the Switzer era, but you named a couple, I think Trent Smith and Steven Alexander, Trent from uh, Clinton and Steven Alexander from Chickasha. Pretty good. But Stogner is, uh, he's an NFL guy. Now he's perfect for that modern H back, position you know and yeah. hey Braden Willis is pretty darn good too I know Stogner I know. didn't play um OU always seems to have a, a guy there now right I mean yeah every year and Stogner's just the latest in the assembly line that's going to be really good already is really good I hope Braden Willis doesn't transfer I just if Stogner comes back healthy I mean I know Lincoln can probably find a spot for Braden Willis because Mikey Henderson is technically an H-back but you can use him in different ways than you can use Stogner yeah, I just I hope they can keep Braden Willis because I still think he has a lot to say uh, for this team in the next year or so. But um, last one, let's go to defense. Uh, we already talked about Buki. You already talked about Trey Brown a little bit. Oh, let's. I want to say something about the linebackers, but I mean the, the defensive line has been so great that we How about don't. Nick Benito. Nick Benito, sure. A uh, bigger version of Eric Stryker, maybe. Quick first step. I mean, every time I think of Eric Stryker, I just think that guy had a just an incredibly fast first step. I He's mean, getting after the quarterback quite a bit. Benito's had, and you know, he had a he had a good year. He had the huge pick in the uh, in the Baylor comeback, obviously, yeah. right? But this year he's been a terror. Um, he's been getting that OU defensive line has become really good. I mean, Perkins took him to another level, but even before that, with Perrion Winfrey and and uh, Isaiah Thomas's breakout year and Benito and Joshua Ellison and Laurent Stokes, you know, I know he didn't play. He was going to come back, but I guess he was part of the COVID crew. Um, they've got depth and they've got, uh, they've got a lot of talent. It's an imposing defensive line they have. Yeah. The, I, I think that they're the best defensive line OU's had since 2015. And even that one was unfortunately a little inconsistent because their stalwart defensive tackle was Jordan Phillips and, I love Jordan Phillips to death. He was a dolphin for a long time, but in OU, he was amazing or you'd forget he was there. So it is what it is. It is what it is. Uh, But I guess final thoughts, uh, Mr. Steely going into West Virginia um, as OU is, like I said, in the driver's seat to at least get back to the big tall championship. I mean, are you expecting another big tall championship 
uh, game for OU at this point, and you just kind of let the chips fall where they may in a rematch with Iowa State? Or is there still the potential for this team is good, they're just not quite there yet, kind of a WTF loss left on the schedule? I I don't think that's going to happen. I think they'll win at West Virginia. I'm not gonna. I'm not saying they can just show up and go there to Morgantown and automatically win. They're still going to have to play some pretty solid football. But I think they win that, and then they take care of business against Baylor, and then whoever, maybe probably Iowa State, we'll see what happens uh, in the Big 12 championship. I think the Sooners win out, uh, and they win the Big 12 again, which is going to be a nightmare for the rest of the league because, you know, everybody had to be thinking, man, Oklahoma's got two losses already. First couple conference games, man, this is the year. And no, this isn't the year. (laughs) I mean, what a letdown that is for the rest of the league. Right. But no, I look, do I think this is a great Oklahoma team? No. Do I think it's a good Oklahoma team now? Yes. And I think they're playing complimentary football. I think they went out when the big 12 and, you know, take a lot of momentum into next year. I certainly hope so. And uh, Mike, you're usually right. So I'm just going to go by that (laughs) and uh, try to remember that when I get paranoid and freaked out like I always do on Thursday and then Friday. And then of course, all day Saturday when all I have to do is just like, Oh God, how are we going to screw this up this time? So I'll try to remember that. But Mike, thank you so much for jumping on. Uh, It's good talking to you again. Uh, I miss working with you, miss hearing your voice on one radio station (laughs) every day. And, uh, but I'm glad you're still doing your thing on Twitch. Uh, go ahead and go ahead and tell everybody about your Twitch. Yeah, we got, uh, I'm doing obviously the Tulsa animal. So, um, from nine to 11 every day. And then after that, I take it like a two hour break and we do chat gaming. We talk sports. I'm the senior Fortnite champion. I exhibit my skills there. There you go. And, uh, we just have a good time. So I do that every day. One to three, we'll be doing it Thanksgiving morning, eight to 10, on twitch.tv and just search M Steelman, And we just had, it's kind of a hangout. We have a good time. So yeah, I miss you guys over at the franchise a lot. Uh, I still listen to someone I can obviously, and uh, great friends over there. Love the Tylers, miss buddy, miss everybody over there. So that was a fun place to work. It was an awesome place to work. And Are you doing- for the pandemic, I'd still be there. Yeah. I hate, I hate this year. Are you, are you doing the Tulsa animal from home? Yes. Um, just you know, living the I, dream over got there. A Yeti, Yeti <laughs> mic, just like this one in my other room. This was the movie room. I've converted to a streaming room. And then I do that every day on my laptop. I plug right into their system. It sounds like I'm right there in studio. So I'm doing everything from home. Everything yeah. from home. And that works because movies have been canceled. I don't know if you know. So there's really no need for a movie room anymore. So it's the radio room <laughs> makes true. a lot of sense. But uh, thanks again, Mr. Hey, Mike Seeley. Appreciate hey, it. I'm, I'm sorry, Brady, that I've become the neon lights guy with this webcam. <laughs> I'm going to go uh, take a trip to somewhere in Maine and stand atop a lighthouse. There you so go. The, the ships can see to come in because I can be the beacon <laughs> on top of the lighthouse. Oh, Good I mean, Lord, I'm completely in the dark here pretty much. And I look like, again, that I'm a neon sign. So hopefully uh, the information was good and the, and the discussion was good because the lighting on this webcam was going crazy. It's perfect. And it's going to be funny when people just listen to this instead of watch it. They're just going to be like, well, who cares? I got to go cares? back and watch Steely said he's a neon lights. There we go. Thank you, Mike. I appreciate it, man. All right, Brady. Anytime, my man. Thank you. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Inside OU Podcast Tuesday edition. And the weather's awesome, and I hope hope everybody is staying safe out there. 
for all the obvious reasons, but especially those in Oklahoma, apparently we're going to have tornadoes on Thanksgiving or tornadic weather, severe weather. And Keegan Renault, right now, Keegan Renault is uh, openly wishing for it. So if you see any tornadoes, then send all your hate tweets to Keegan because he's the one summoning this shit. So you know what? I'm just hoping it doesn't hit any houses or livestock, nothing, or any hurt. It's it's out in the open, and it looks all pretty. It looks nice. You want to take pictures of it? Yeah, I like. I, I certainly love like spring storm season, not severe storm season, but uh, the I like the smell. I like the way the uh, the air feels. I like the warmth. I like all that stuff. But uh, man, twenty twenty, cut us a break, please. But it is what it is. We're gonna try and at least entertain you for the next hour, hour and a half, or however long this one goes on. A uh, quick programming note. I didn't mention this last week because I'm an idiot, as it, I'm sure everybody knows. But Thanksgiving is on Thursday. What el- what else is on Thursdays? Oh yeah, our Thursday shows from Vanessa House. So um, either our intelligent, beautiful, handsome listeners already knew that we probably wouldn't be at Vanessa House this week. Um, but we're trying to figure out Keegan and I. We're trying to figure out if sh- if we should just go ahead and scrap the Vanessa House podcast this week in terms of just not doing it at Vanessa and just probably doing it all today. Maybe recording tomorrow and putting it out on Thursday for the matchups for West Virginia podcast. Mm-hmm. We could go to Vanessa House tomorrow, or we might just do it in person. We don't know just yet, but uh, there will be a Thursday podcast for you all about West Virginia and how they match up with Oklahoma. Just like usual, so don't worry about that. And then also, uh, we did get a new five-star rating, so shout out to our listener in uh, San Diego or San... San Diego. San Di- yeah, San Diego, California. We appreciate that. And Keegan, I guess you hate the Royals too. You're going to tell one of our lovely listeners that you hate his baseball team? Oh, I absolutely hate them. He knows that. He should know that. Explain. They're the Royal. I mean, it's a it's a rivalry. It's a okay. So are they in the same division? It's the uh, it's like a interstate or I something rivalry. That I, that's horrible that I don't know this. But um, apparently, is it like Bedlam? Are the Cardinals it's exactly like exactly like I didn't say that? But <laughs> that's exactly what it's like. The Royals again have had like three. Uh, they've been above five hundred three or four times. Okay, since tw- since two thousand. Well, who's they the- have won a World Series twenty fifteen. This has no bearing on anything, but it's just the only thing that popped in my head. Who is the celebrity fan for the St. Louis Cardinals? Like, who's the big, uh, famous celebrity fan? I don't really think that. Can't think of. They don't have a. I don't. Nothing off the top of my head. No. No. Matthew. I mean, I would assume people from like. Famous people from from the Lou St. Louis, yeah, from the Lou. Is it oh, Nelly yeah. from St. Louis? Yes, maybe he likes the Cardinals. Probably. So it's either him. A lot of rappers wear a Cardinals any, hat. Anybody from anybody else from St. Louis um, versus Paul Rudd because he's a he's a Royals fan, and I'm sorry, but because you can't name me one, I'm gonna go with I'm gonna go mess with Paul Rudd, and so I'm gonna side with our uh, our listener here in the bitter rivalry that is the Cardinals and the Royals, of which you cannot name the name of the rivalry. I mean, <laughs> it is what it is. I've actually looked it up, and I said I searched Cardinals-Royals name, and I can't. It doesn't, even doesn't have a Wikipedia article? No. What a shame. It's, an, it's, the, it's Whatever the interstate is, I'm telling you. I-70, maybe? I-50, I, I I-60? Missouri is a state I've never been in. I've never driven. What? I don't think I've ever driven through How it. How have you not been in Missouri? Am I missing much? After watching the Ozarks for a St. few Louis, seasons, yeah. After watching the Ozarks for a few seasons, I don't know if I want to go there. 
Yeah, that part of Missouri is probably not the best. Mm. Eh, St. Louis probably is not the best. Either. Oh, there's some really nice parts of St. Louis, including Bush Stadium downtown. I wouldn't mind going to St. Louis. St. Lu- Cardinals games are like this is very Cardinals biased here. Whenever that stadium's full, like on a Saturday night or Friday night, Saturday night game, nothing like it. Nothing like it. Not not in, in baseball. I, I like Kauffman where the Royals play. Is it a better atmosphere than Memorial Stadium when there's 30,000 fans in it and OU's been telling us that no, there's only 20,000, 25,000 people in there? I don't know how many there it was it was noticeable. <laughs> I know there's some people that questioned it. Lincoln, I Lincoln Rise like Bravo fans. It was a home field advantage. Yeah, I loud. mean I mean like it would make sense and you have to remember too like another part of this that is failed to mention. They pump in a lot of crowd noise. That and also, I don't know, no one's ever really mentioned this since this has kind of been a talking point over the last few days since the game, but Oklahoma's opponent was Oklahoma State, meaning there's a lot more local fans in close proximity to Norman to come to the game to go root for Oklahoma State, as opposed to Kansas State, as yep. opposed to Kansas, as opposed to any other school in this conference that's coming here. I-70, by the way. I-70, okay. I was right. I don't know how many fans are coming up I-70 to go watch OUO-SU, but I'm sure there are a few. But also, a quick reminder, please leave us a review and a rating on Apple Podcasts, because apparently, according to our good friend Chris, you can't leave reviews on Spotify, but I don't know why, but you can't. But we'll appreciate any any reviews and ratings thrown our way. It helps out the podcast. We greatly appreciate it. One more time, this podcast, I guess, for the Patreon plug. www.patreon.com slash inside underscore OU. $4 a month gets you post-game show stuff, media corner stuff. $5 a month gets you all that, plus Keegan's film review. Which will be up in the morning. Up on, I uh, spent most of the last 12 hours, would be the best way. So about four o'clock yesterday very yeah. sexy so you or, yeah not four o'clock or about last 24 hours did you count Perkins store did you count how how far drake stoops ran in that game no but it, he i am going to count i've gone through the first half a second time now and i have a lot to show like a lot to show he a lot must, of ne- a lot more negative than what people would believe he must have been in trouble who drake yeah like okay, i mean he was just being a decoy we don't have Spencer enough Spencer rattler admitted that today by we, the way we don't have enough time for you to run stadium steps so we're just going to make you run aimlessly in motion all game long for whatever he did like, he, did he say it? he might have said a bad word or something <laughs> praise his dad <laughs> bob stoops bob, is the best coach in oklahoma history bob. and then lincoln riley is like right behind him uh what did you say <gasps> We would never have lost to Kansas State and Iowa State if Bob was here. Oh, no. <laughs> and Lincoln's like right behind him. And Drake's like, oh, he's right behind me, isn't he? And no one told him. Man, we're just kidding, by the way. Drake Stoops is awesome. Drake Stoops and got I made an pe- A and I made in peace, my grades. And I made peace with Bob. So Yes. Yeah, that's well documented. So he got an A in your grades. Uh, just He had one catch and then a drop. So yeah, I think he only had two targets. He got an A because, man, he blocked well. He did block very well, and that was the thing that we were talking about, uh, criti- like criticizing his game early on, and everybody kind of remembers the, if you're going to run a bubble screen, please don't let Drake Stoops be the guy out there blocking. I think traditionally, if, if he was not uh, suspended or getting pulled over and Instagram living it, uh, Trajan Bridges would be out there blocking. What the and he- was that? Pardon my French. You're going to have to mark that. But. I, don't, I, don't, it's, I just never a good look. I've been pulled over. No, it was just a, a speeding bunch of times. Ticket, yeah, I've I've had I think two speeding tickets in my life. I've been pulled over two or three times. In addition to that, not got tickets. Yes, uh, but I'm not saying that it's 
terrible that you are speeding and get pulled over. It's not safe. I would recommend not doing it. But if you're going to get pulled over, I, I, I wouldn't I wouldn't live stream anything. No. That's that is just me though. Anyway, yeah, so there's all that. Keegan's gonna have a film review up tomorrow for those interested. It's Probably a West Virginia game too, maybe tomorrow night. I have to watch uh pretty cool. I got asked. Derek Peterson, remember who that is? Covered, oh yeah. Worked for the Daily. Covers uh Nebraska. Unfortunately he covers the Nebraska. He just wants me to go first. through two Nebraska games and then come on their pod and ask he want he was curious to know what was wrong with their offense. What's wrong with Nebraska's offense? Yes. Uh um, talent. Talent. You move to the Big Ten, that's what's wrong. Yeah. That's no. Yep, yep, they yep. made their bed and they must lie in it. No, uh, That'll be fun if we're still doing this this time next year, and we get non-conference games. I mean, Nebraska is coming to town. We can get we can get Derek on here. Yeah, we can get definitely get someone from that. I, I think they. I mean, I don't follow a ton. I'm assuming the the Omaha Herald people probably are the big Jays up there. But mm. the web the website he works for, I think, does a really really good job. Derek does a good job. Yes, yes, he does. They and he's passionate. He's very passionate. I I I don't know if he's a Nebraska. I don't know if he grew up a Nebraska fan though. No, I, I think he's from. Oklahoma. I think he's from here. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah I think he's well, that's Oklahoma. like a like Hale Varsity's like a Nebraska. Like it's it's like an eleven Warriors, like mm-hmm. the Ohio State side. It's kind of yeah. like it's kind of like that. But no, it's uh, they've been hurting recently, but not because of Derek's work. No, that is definitely <laughs> that that's for sure true. <laughs> now let's segue back to when we last left our heroes. Bedlam. Oklahoma destroying Oklahoma State 41 to 13 in a rather dominant performance Oklahoma's best uh game on in every facet of the game I mean except for I guess Gabe Burkich missed a field goal but oh well it didn't matter you said they won or it's their best performance it's their best performance when you consider opponent yeah I don't hmm. you gonna say Texas Tech are you going to be Texas a- Texas Tech? I think first three quarter. I mean, I would take like second half the way they played against Texas. I I I would they, too if that fourth quarter didn't exist. Yeah, <laughs> I, I mean, yeah, second half. If you take the second half and you take overtime in Texas, like Lincoln even alluded to that today. And I know we're you know we're perfect time to start getting into this. Like I tweeted that out yesterday, and there was a lot of people, a couple people that messaged me about it, curious what I was talking about. People responding to it, like. Oklahoma, that game was won, and I'm I will show you this. That wasn't every Oklahoma I'll, State. No, yeah, Oklahoma State. That game was won on Saturday night because of Lincoln Riley pantsing Mike Gundy and Jim Knowles. Like the stuff they were running in the first half. Like if you go look, like Spencer Spencer Riley, right, goes 17 of 24 for 301 passing yards. Probably should add this up too on the rewatch. I would imagine 66 percent, 60 percent or more of those passing yards came off screens. He made like two good throws. Two, three good throws. That's really it. And he made some really big mental mistakes. I don't think they blocked that well up front. I, I I hate to highlight one person, but it popped up over and over again. The right guard is continuing to be an inconsistent part Tyrese of the Robertson. offensive line. Um, I don't think the receivers played all that great. And I don't think really outside the front, outside the defensive line, they played that well. And my grades kind of kind of showed that. Like, the, the, you know, it, it t- came out to be like a just a normal B game. Um, I think I gave the offense an A in the or a 90 in the Tech game. Um, you know, and I the grades from Kansas, I have them. I just didn't put them out there. And then Texas. Um, no, like Lincoln even alluded to that, to that today, though. It's like we played really poor. Like they and it's to your to your 
to what you were saying in the post game show on the Patreon page, um, inside the patreon.com slash inside inside underscore boom there you go holy cow yeah anyways it's what what you were talking about like and this is i think it's this conversation that we're about to be having i think it's extremely positive for oklahoma i think and and so lincoln said today that this they they played more poor at times than they played really good and i i I said it yesterday and i i stand by that like a thousand percent yeah so when you go two and a half quarters of the yeah. vanilla off, not necessarily in terms of the play calling, but just the performance. When you go through two and a half quarters of that offensively and then defensively playing well, but not doing anything ultra spectacular like getting the ball back. And I, I think with the way the defensive line played, the front seven played, and with what Oklahoma State was essentially offensively for that time, that was when Illingworth was in the game. Uh, sure, he's not going to give you a lot of opportunities to uh, intercept the ball because the kid's not very accurate. He threw three or four balls just to a wide-open field of grass that was 10 yards away from his intended target. Uh, but, but there were a handful of times where he could have maybe got a sack fumble, and knowing all full well that all they're going to be able to do is hand the ball to Chuba Hubbard, L.D. Brown, you know, go after be a little bit more aggressive is what I would like hope for as a fan, like be a little bit more aggressive and go for the strip. When you go through that much during a game and nothing spectacular, spectacular happens like, sure, I can see that, but that's why I kind of go back to um, giving the opponent a little bit of credit. Oklahoma state's defense is very good. Why did Oklahoma's offensive line not block particularly well? You know, Oklahoma state probably had a little bit of say about that. No, as they, well. for sure. Yeah, no, I, I, I agree with that a thousand percent. I think Oklahoma state, you, you heard me talk about the linebackers all last week. Yeah. Malcolm uh, Rodriguez reminds me a lot of Curtis Bolton. Yeah. Number 20. That's um, good. And, uh, you know, so it's, but at the same time though, like as I said, like my grades whenever I go in to watch a game and you know this, it's based upon expectation. How do I expect them and how do they grade out on that expectation? Like Spencer Rattler get, got a B Saturday, Saturday, mm-hmm. and it probably could have been lower and probably made, or a B minus actually. It's just one of those things, Brady, like, and again, I think this is an extremely positive thing. No, like, it is. It is. They just go out and beat the shit out of Oklahoma State and they played probably their third, fourth best game of the year. That's it. There's so much out there for them. No, it absolutely is a good thing, but it's something that we've kind of talked about a handful of times this season already about this team is they have quarter, uh, two quarters of brilliance, and then for whatever reason, they just go through a lull. Now, is that inexperience? Is that a lack of talent at certain spots? Is that coaching? Is that you know play calling? It could be one of, if not a combination of all those factors, but one thing's for sure this team has not put together four quarters of great football. You no. could say Kansas, but that first quarter was pretty bad, considering all things, considering you're playing Kansas, and Spencer Rattler has one of his worst interceptions of his young career in that game. You could say Texas Tech, but there was the opening drive. There was that uh, that midpoint in the game in the second quarter where it could have gotten a little interesting in terms of just, okay, this is going to be a high-scoring Texas Tech affair. Uh, where they had the 80-yard mm-hmm. touchdown pass. We talked about that on the post game. But one thing I did want to bring up to you, Keegan, because on that post game show on Saturday, uh, you told me that you thought that if I rewatched the game that I might have a different opinion. But it seems like you're the one that has a different opinion of it. I do, but I don't think it's a Lincoln thing. You know what I'm saying? Like that's So this is a player execution thing. Player execution. And Spencer Rattler. Like, he was not very good. 
like in the second quarter. And he, that's the compliment because he threw for four touchdowns, no turnovers, seventeen to twenty four, three hundred yards passing. Yeah. So it, if if that's a if that's a med performance with a lot of meat left on the table, then the sky is the absolute like it, it's not out of the realm of possibility. It's not silly fanboy talk to say this dude's gonna be in New York at some point uh, next next season for sure, up for the Heisman because it's only going up from here and it's done nothing but trend up to this point over the last few weeks. I agree. And I asked, you know, Spencer about that today, just out of curiosity, and this isn't something I'm, I'm not going to use for a story because I know the real answer. He is the mistakes, and you'll you'll know what I'm talking about, and the Patreon subscribers will know what I'm talking about. The decisions, remember in the Texas game that I was pointing out to where he's like, man, he's got a long way to go. Those showed up on Saturday. Like yeah. The decision-making before the snap, not changing, not reading anything, and making throws, the one to Brayden Willis early in the game was exceptional in terms of processing pre-snap and post-snap. But the second quarter on, it just wasn't there. And I don't know if that's, you know, Oklahoma, like if Oklahoma State adjusted that much to where it was that big of a deal, or which what I, I think is that he just wasn't as good as what he typically is. And if he is good in the second quarter, there's the play, the one that he forced to throw to Marvin Mims on to the right, on to the to the south end zone. To the south end zone. And Marvin pretty much had to play defensive back on against that play. Rodarius Williams, yes. Yeah. So that Oklahoma State showed blitz at the line of scrimmage. They showed cover zero. They're gonna run straight man to man and bring the house. They brought like eight guys to the line of scrimmage or seven guys. On the right side, they Marvin Mims. Oklahoma State fakes it. The blitz. They drop into zone with the safeties. And Drake Soups comes wide open on an underneath slant to the top of the field. Spencer and hates the underneath routes, man. No, I know. <laughs> he just I know. He's so, like, that's the stuff. Is like people that hear this and you go back and watch it, just watch the top of the screen. Like, And I'm going to show on the Patreon. Um, but, again, this was a game in the first quarter that was won by Lincoln. Like, And this is – I may write a story on I'm, I'm probably going to do, like, a like how Bedlam was won post for, like, probably Thanksgiving morning. For oh, that'd be good. All the, you know, and just point stuff out. Like, you know, you talk about like scheming up things, this and that, like those screens to Mikey Henderson were set up from the, in the, in, from the first quarter on the first drive, second drive, whatever, like they were completely set up. And, and then as well as Lincoln knows how to use the rules to his advantage, how many balls were caught behind the line of scrimmage. So his wide receivers and, def- and linemen could block downfield. Yeah. It, it, it's Lincoln, put his big boy pants on in that first in his script whatever whatever it is is on that little piece of paper that he has um it was impressive and i just i think and i agree with him a thousand percent like there was too many errors um you know on spencer the sack that spencer sanders got hurt on like tylen wallace is wide open down the field yeah and it's just there's a lot of things from Saturday, and including the linebackers as well, not run, not run filling as good as they could. Like Brian SMO had eight eight tackles, right? Led the team with eight tackles. Like I didn't think he played that good, and I know tackles are not are a kind of a misleading stat. So, and again, this is a an extremely positive conversation, I think, because you go out there and you beat a team like that, and you and I both will give credit to Oklahoma State. They have a bunch of really, they have a bunch of talent. They yes. have a bunch of really good players, and um, you know, some point out like. Josh Sills against Kansas State got kicked out the left tackle. The guy was playing left guard and just got abused by White Huber. Yeah. He got moved once T- Jenkins got hurt. He moved to right tackle 
and even Perkins was struggling with him. So, again, you guys heard us say left guard and right tackle were not a problem for Oklahoma State. It was the rest of them, and, man, did that show up. So, yeah. credit, credit Oklahoma, though, you know, but at the end of the day, it's uh, it's going to be one of those things where, like, you know, you, you got to play well this week. Like, they, I'm not saying that they can go out and play like they did against Oklahoma State and win. Lincoln probably, with a week under his belt, doesn't have as much time to prepare. And man, I am talking long on this one. But uh, they have a week to, they don't have as much time to prepare. So they're going to have to play a lot better this week because the scheme isn't going to be as complex. They're not going to run. They're not going to have as much stuff up their sleeve yep. um, like they typically would. So it's going to be, you know, it's kind of like that TCU game. They come off a bye week and Gary Patterson just gets pantsed yeah. <laughs> by Lincoln. <laughs> no, like my my last thing on Bedlam, the only reason why that I think that it's Oklahoma's best game thus far, other than just... You know, you give credit to the opponent and you think about the opponent in terms of, well, yeah, OU has been, they've had better offensive numbers maybe in this game. They've had better defensive numbers in that game. But I think considering the opponent, it's OU's best game. But I put a lot of stock in, of course, how they started, how they played when it was in the Lowell moments, but of course how they finished. I think, I could be wrong, Keegan, but I think, because this was a stat, a broadcaster brought it up on a random game, maybe against Texas Tech, maybe against uh, TCU, that when OU's opponents have gotten to the red zone, they're 100% when they've scored, they're scoring touchdowns. I don't know if it's in the red zone or if it's inside the 10-yard mm-hmm. line. But the fact that OU did not give up that last yep. touchdown and they finished strong and it had nothing to do with the outcome of the game, like that to me just kind of puts a bow on the game. And I think overall from start to finish, it's their best overall game. Have there been quarters here and there and other games where they probably hit a higher ceiling than what they did against Oklahoma State? Probably. We, you, we can make those, those arguments for like the, two, the last two or three quarters of the Texas game, um, most of the Texas Tech game, uh, maybe the second, third, and fourth quarter against Kansas, of course. But I think just overall, it's a great, it's a great performance considering all things. And as we kind of turn the page over to West Virginia – I kind of appreciate what Lincoln Riley was saying in the press conference and what you're basically saying because the worry about going into Morgantown is not necessarily that it's a tough place to play because historically for Oklahoma, it is the complete opposite. Uh, OU has won every single game in Morgantown. Have some games been close? Because I know there are people out there that think that that means something. Sure. No, it doesn't. Uh, has, have some games been close? Jo- sure. I was but, joking, by the way. But OU has also spanked West Virginia in Morgantown. So it's not so much that it's a tough place to play. And it's not so much that West Virginia does have some defensive talent. They've got even less offensive talent, but they're, they're a team that can certainly win if they play their best game of their lives and Oklahoma sleepwalks into it. But that's, what's great about what Lincoln Riley said. And what you're saying is, yeah, you guys played really well, but look at all these mistakes. Look at all these misses. Mm -hmm. Look at all these opportunities that you guys left on the table which would then hopefully lead to Oklahoma going into Morgantown for a night game, motivated, understanding of the stage and what's at stake. And they go out there and just kick ass and take care of business and maybe even play a, a more complete game than what we saw on Saturday against Oklahoma State. I agree, and I think that there are a lot of things that are correctable. I've watched a little bit of West Virginia. I have an idea. I mean, it's obviously the Stills brothers up front you got to deal with. Um, but, yeah, offensively, they – you know, this is a you know kind of a defensive front. Who's that, their Arizona transfer linebacker? Oh, uh, Fields. Yeah, he's really good as yeah, well. Good. Yeah, he's really really good. So, um, yeah, good, good mention there. I, I completely would have forgot. <laughs> um, but uh, 
No, again, this is a you know a game that you can't go to Morgantown and you can't play bad. West Virginia is good enough to beat a bad Oklahoma performance. Yeah, like and it, maybe so. if maybe if OU played amazing against Oklahoma State, and of course Lincoln Ryan and this coaching staff would do a better job of motivating them. But that's the that's the worry. If they had played flawlessly, it could potentially set up the, the set the stage for let down Oklahoma because oh gosh we. We didn't expect a fight. We thought we had already got back to the Big 12 Championship because we we corrected everything. We balanced out our two losses, and we're back in the driver's seat. Oh, God. West Virginia is actually... They've actually got a pulse. They're somewhere in the middle, you know, when, when you balance out their strengths and their weaknesses. Yeah. They're, they're somewhere in the middle of this conference. I don't know if that's exactly a good thing or an awful thing because I, I frankly don't know conference strength this season. That's one thing that's really hard to really discern. Sure. I don't know how good the Big Ten is or how bad they are. SEC the same way. ACC even more. The Big 12. Um, the thing about West Virginia, you, you already highlighted it. The strength of their team is their front seven, and particularly their front four or five. Um, they are very good. They're in the conversation of Oklahoma and Oklahoma State in terms of when you're ranking the defensive lines of this conference. It's probably OU maybe about a, a notch above Oklahoma State's. Forget about Texas here. Texas has a really good defensive line. Texas Texas has a really good player. Well, no, I mean they're playing a lot better across the front. They and, are playing a lot yeah, better. Alfred, I mean they're playing a bunch of their young guys. That's why. I mean, yeah, th- those guys can go. Like Alfred Collins is a freak. And maybe Oklahoma's offensive line just had the absolute better day in the Cotton Bowl yeah. because I think most OU fans, when they just see Texas maybe in a game or two, and one of those was against OU, they'd probably say, "Yeah, Joseph Osai is really good." Other than that, there's just nothing there. Heck, he didn't even do that much. That he didn't day. do anything that day. Yeah, yeah. West Virginia is certainly capable of making things interesting and potentially upsetting Oklahoma. But I, I like where Lincoln's at. I like where people with brains that are following this team, like you, I like where your brains at because yeah. Everything's there for Oklahoma to still trend upward, and that's kind of the fun thing about this team is they hit they hit rock bottom early, early, and they've just gotten better and better and better. And even as they've kind of started to peak as a team, there are still so many things that you and I get frustrated with that we point out that we can predict will probably happen. And one of those things, Keegan, I didn't even really want to talk about today because we talked about it enough on Saturday. We've talked about it all season long. Uh, but Lincoln Riley wanted to bring it up uh, himself, and it was about our good friend, Mr. Bookie Radley-Hiles. And, oh, man, was it Garen Emig who asked the question, or? No, it was Dean. I think it was Dean. Oh, it was Dean. Yeah. It was uh, Mr. Dean Blevins that asked the question of the day, I guess. Uh, asked specifically about. No, no, he didn't ask. Lincoln brought it up no, on he, his own. But, but he, yes. Dean brought up the whole like he got unsportsman like penalties. Yeah, yeah. He, he brought up Ronnie's too. It's like Ronnie was probably close to a couple and this mm-hmm. and that. But yeah. So Dean Blevins brings up that question and those players to uh, Lincoln Riley, and Lincoln gives like a typical answer. And frankly, when I was kind of writing some bullet point notes down for the podcast today, he didn't. I was waiting for him to say something, and he didn't in his initial answer. Mm-hmm. And then they called on the next person to ask a question. Um, and then Lincoln just kind of popped in and was like, actually, let me say some el- say something else about Buki. And then he went on to say that Buki's a consummate team player and that basically the program will be much worse when he's um, no longer in it anymore. Now, obviously, what he, he's basically just trying to really oversell Buki's importance to the team and how the guys like him 
what he means to the team overall in the program. And look, Keegan, I was laughed at by our good friend Eddie Radosovich on the radio before Oklahoma's first game against Missouri State. I had a call in on the morning show, uh, him and Todd Lisenby, and they asked me, because we were talking about like the hole that is uh, at the time, like in terms of the defensive leadership, you and I talked about that a handful of times. Who's going to take that role this season now that Kenneth Murray's gone? And they asked me, and I was like, actually, I, I think it could be somebody like Buki. And the reason why is because when he does something good, the team explodes. They mm-hmm. love him. Mm-hmm. And when one of his teammates do something, Buki is like the first guy you see jumping up and down like a madman all over his teammate, excited that his friend did something positive. So to me, that just that just told me, like, oh, if Buki does if he continues to trend in the direction that he's been going from last year, which was fairly solid, if he starts ball hawking all over the place, mm-hmm. I mean, man, like this defense is going to be fun to watch because the team loves him. So what Lincoln said to me today didn't surprise me. It doesn't, it still doesn't surprise me. I have no doubt that the team still loves him and that when he does make those boneheaded mistakes once every two weeks, Keegan, mm-hmm. I'm sure they're like right up next to him saying, keep your head up, man. It's okay. We want you to just be you because that's his personality and that's the way that the team basically, uh, I guess, thrives around him, his vibe. So know that it surprises me. My only hope is that Lincoln Riley is much harder on his players than what he lets on uh, to you guys, which would make sense. He is a player's coach. But unfortunately, Keegan, because Buki doesn't learn, mm-hmm. it's hard to assume that Lincoln's a little bit stricter on him behind closed doors than what he lets on to you guys. I think it's one of those things that, like, Lincoln has said this, like, you don't want to take his aggression away. And, like, I get that. But, again, as we said maybe before we came on, does he – was he – outside of that one play, did he play well? Yes. I put that in my position grades. He got a C plus, um, but probably would have been a B, B plus if he wouldn't have done that. Um, but, again, that hurt – it – Basically gave Oklahoma State a little bit of life. It gave Oklahoma State their only touchdown. They scored on the ne- very next play, yes. and that was a third down. And for until about midway through the third quarter, Oklahoma State was in striking distance of being down a score after being blown out of the game in the first three minutes. And you could trace it all back to Buki. So it, it's it's hard. Did did Buki suck out all the momentum with that one decision? of the game like it's hard to argue not even though it is a team sport and the offense's responsibility is to go out there and perform they didn't so it's their fault but I mean 21-3 is a lot different than 21-7 yep thousand percent and it's not a guarantee they would have made that field goal either with a new kicker yeah it's uh I I I respect Lincoln for that you know defending his player Kirk Herbstreit (laughs) eviscerated him on national television That's, that's the other thing like he never does that no never does that no yeah, and so, yeah, I mean, I get what Lincoln is saying. It makes sense. All the other players brought that up. He said the same thing today. But at the end of the day, he hurts you on the football field right now more than yeah. he helps you. And, um, you know, it's one of those things. <laughs> There's a dog <laughs> There's on my bed. Do- <laughs> but uh, it's one of those things that, like, I, you know, what can you do? Like uh, the other thing is too is like what people don't get is like who who is who is going to play in that position because is it, that is better than Buki? Yeah, and because there's not and that's and that's not a Grinch fault. That's not a Lincoln fault. 
That's just a... It, I, guess it, I guess it is kind of a Lincoln fault. But I guess it's one of those things that just, you know, people are going to have to live with it. And he... I will say, like, it's every game, there's two or three plays that you can tell with his communication on the field that Oklahoma gets lined up in the right spots. Pat Fields gets the call in, but Buki is the one pointing things out, telling people who's covering who. Um, and so, I mean, that part of it's valuable, but, again, he's hurting you more um, than he's helping you right now. Yeah. And, that's, and that's a problem. I can make it... As simple as this, uh, I actually talked about this with Mike Steely, who you all heard a little bit of, of a sample at the beginning of this show. If you want the whole conversation, it's up on our Patreon page. Um, but this kind of comes from an argument our good friend Jerry Ramsey made on the radio yesterday and today because of the Buki thing being brought up at the press conference. Jerry's whole argument is, how are you going to like dogpile on Buki Radley Hiles? Because he apparently holds the team back with his boneheaded mistakes. But OU fans are just throwing roses at the feet of Ronnie Perkins and Ramondre Stevenson because they technically also put the team behind the eight ball by getting suspended. Like, we all have our opinions about that rule. We all probably are thinking that it's silly that that rule exists in 2020. But the fact is, is it is a rule. They were, this is OU. They were probably warned ahead of time that testing is going to be coming. So whatever y'all are doing, make sure you're not breaking the rules. And they broke the rules, got caught, and had to pay for it. The reason why I think that that's kind of a silly argument is because Ramondre Stevenson and Ronnie Perkins in just three games back have more than made up for it. Yes, would it have been awesome to have both of them against K-State and Iowa State? Sure. But this team is not a playoff team. So even if they are undefeated, I, I don't care. Like It ultimately doesn't take this team away from its ceiling. No. So, But basically what I mean is Ronnie and Ramondre have made play after play after play after play in just three games to make up for the fact that they were not here. Again, whereas Ronnie Perkins is halfway to his sack and tackle for loss total. Yeah. In three games, he played 12 a year ago. Yeah. And Buki, his ceiling, like consistently, is just simply doing his job. If Buki Radley Hiles is out here playing like the Honey Badger and making play after play after play like Ronnie Perkins is, like Ramondre Stevenson is, then I think OU fans would be more inclined to live with his mistakes because they do happen like once every two games, and it's usually only once or twice in those games. But that's the problem is Buki's ceiling is just doing his job. So what does that mean? He's good in coverage, so he doesn't get balls thrown his way. So I guess that's that's a good thing. Yep. He's good at diagnosing plays pre-snap, which you and I talk about all the time. He's really good at sni uh, sniffing out screens. Mm -hmm. And while he may not make the tackle individually himself, he at least slows the play down to let his teammates swarm to the football, which ends up you know, a, not a big play at all or it's a tackle for loss. And that's, that's the problem that I think OU fans have is he has those bowhead mistakes that puts the team back consistently – but he's not out there making plays. Yep. If he was making plays, I don't think anybody would care. Ronnie Perkins gets a person like an unsportsmanlike conduct against Oklahoma State. You want to know why no one cares? Because he set the tone and kicked ass in the first three minutes, and it didn't matter. Yep. If Buki like like even last year, Buki had what four interceptions, five interceptions. He had a game clinching interception against TCU, and it was a, that was a ball hawking play. It wasn't thrown directly to him. He had to work for that one. You remember that play up from Max Duggan? Just straight up the middle, just a pass straight up the middle down the seam, and Buki like jumped for it. 
You're talking about the interception? Yeah. Uh, in last season? Yeah, now, yeah. it should have been the game-clinching interception. Yes. I think it ended up... I think TCU may have had another shot. But that's why I was like excited for him this season. Because I'm like, okay, are we going to start seeing a little bit more ball hawk out of him? And we, we just simply have it. He just does his job. But this is Speed D. This is Alex Grinch, where you're supposed to be making ball hawking plays and being a football player out there. And Buki just... He, you either don't know he's there or you do, and when you do know he's there, it's a mistake. This year, yeah. I mean, there's been there was times a year ago to where the same conversation could be said, and it was the opposite. Um, this year specifically, I mean, he just hasn't made a ton of plays outside of, you know, Kansas State game was his best game of his career at yes. Oklahoma. Like, not even close. That's not talking about just the screens. That's across the board. So That's why Iowa State was so shocking. Yes, absolutely, yeah. And – uh you know, it's an it's it puts Oklahoma in an interesting position because at some point, whether it's in the Big Twelve Championship game, whether it's West Virginia West Virginia this week in a big game, whether it's in the Cotton Bowl in a big game, there's gonna be a situation where Buki's gonna have a chance to either walk away, not celebrate a ton, or he could celebrate and get a fifteen yard penalty, or he can late hit a guy. And right now, I don't trust Buki Radley Hiles to make the right decision if I'm if he's in a football game. Like when it comes to that, like he can make all the plays in the world, but whenever you're consistently every other week or week in week out hurting your team by getting a, a penalty that it's like that penalty the other night was like the Trey Brown holding in the Iowa State game, you know? It's yeah, like, it, like the play was. Like, the Trey Brown hold was, it had nothing to do with the play. The play resulted negatively in that Iowa State. I think it was just an incomplete pass. Mm-hmm. Trey Brown's hold was on the other side of the field. It was on a third down. You get the ball back. And unnecessarily, a hold was called. And then the boogie thing, like, you know, it, the play was over. Oklahoma State was going to line up for a field goal, a long field goal. So, mm-hmm. th- that's the shame. And look. I'm tired of complaining about him because it's just one of those things that you have to live with if you're an OU fan, if you're following this team, that that is in play. I want Buki to do well. I was excited for him coming out of high school just like everybody else. And I think I, I think you and I are of the same mind, Keegan, where we're, we're never going to get the full extent of what Buki may have been able to bring to the table because the previous staff wronged him by putting him in a different spot. Yep. So... There is still room for him to make plays. There is still room for him to help OU win a game. And when that happens, if that happens, I'll be right out there, you know, out in front on this podcast, on the radio, on Twitter, singing his praises because I want him to do well. And I've defended him over, like, I've defended him to my friends, you know, whenever we have conversations about the team. And basically, what I would tell them is, like, hey, look, guys love him. So if he ends up helping, sway a recruit to OU or two during his time then he's not a bust in my opinion it's kind of the basketball it's kind of the it's kind of like the basketball thing where in the NBA where players are just if they're attracted you know to a certain personality and they like that player and they come to your small market then guess what it's all worth it Kyler Murray was kind of that same personality where guys just wanted to be around him Baker Mayfield unfortunately Buki just hasn't put it all together on the field but um I hope that we talk about him the next time we bring him up. I hope that it's for a good yeah, reason. No doubt. Yeah, I I promise you, like, you and I don't love to hate on Oklahoma football players. Like, like we tell the truth. We tell it how it is. 
Um, I think we're really good at that. I thought our post game was really good in that aspect. Well, you say that, but I, I can't. I've already mentioned my R.J. Washington thing. <laughs> well, that's different. <laughs> I was I was that's in college. Then. Yeah, so. <laughs> that's back then. Um, so, but yeah, again, this is it's an interesting situation that puts Oklahoma in, and we'll we'll see if he can adjust. I would imagine that he can now after Kirk Herbstreit did what he did on national television. Um, I would imagine that may change some things. So we'll we'll see. I I, I think Buki again, if, if if he would have been at corner to start, I think that we're talking about a completely different football player. Because yeah. the way he covers in the slot, man, he could do some damage outside. Yes, he does everything great. He's the right type of handsy. He's yep. the right type of aggressive. He's quick. He's, he's athletic. Physical. So he can size. make up for his size. Yeah. I mean, what was that one play everybody remembers in the uh, the Army Bowl? It was the first play of the game. Yeah. And yeah he gets beat, but he catches up and jumps and tips the ball inbounds so it can be intercepted. Like, that dude is good. Yep. We unfortunately just never got to see that dude because of some silly coaching decisions. But I'm tired of talking about Boogie. Let's, let's move on to this because we actually talked about this as well on the postgame show Keegan about Iowa State and Texas on Friday yes and you just straight up asked me who's going to win and I'm like oh Iowa State's going to ride that momentum but I feel like ever since that day as we get closer and closer to Friday Iowa State goes down to Austin I don't know and I have no reason to believe Texas should win this game because they're the better team I just have such a hard time with Iowa State because I know they're a solid group. I know they've got Brees Hall. I know Brock Purdy has a high ceiling and an extremely low floor, and consistently he kind of he usually falls in the middle a lot. Yeah. Against Kansas State, he was good. Against Oklahoma State, he was not good. Against Oklahoma, he was average. <laughs> you know, Purdy. Purdy. Yeah. Whoo. Purdy did er- everything that he could in that Oklahoma game to help Oklahoma win. Yep. And they couldn't. But Oklahoma just couldn't bounce on the opportunities but I don't know mainly because I mean Oklahoma controls their destiny at this point so it doesn't really matter do you either want to play Iowa State do you either want to play I mean Texas if Texas wins are they then in the driver's seat to control their destiny yes Texas controls their destiny yeah because they beat Oklahoma State so obviously it's a gigantic game Friday night for For, those reasons for Tom I don't think it's a big game for Texas. I think it's a big game for Tom Herman. I think it's a big, yeah, of course. I mean, this we're talking about. I think some there's part of I guarantee you Texas fan base that hopes they do not win. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, here here's the thing where you like me as a paranoid fan because I'm sure there are a zillion OU fans who are like, no, please win, please. We want Tom Herman, and look, I'd love Tom Herman to coach for as long as Texas wants to keep him because clearly I don't think he's good enough. But he has shown to be good enough to at least field a team that can really play Oklahoma close, and we never like those situations as OU fans. And I'm just I'm going to watch that game as neutral as possible. I would rather play Iowa State because I'd like to get some payback and to basically balance out the season so you can kind of look at it as if OU wins the Big 12 championship against Iowa State and they win their New Year's Six Bowl, you can look at it as a weird one-loss season. It's like, you know what, all things considered, it could have been a lot worse, but that shows you how good Lincoln Riley is in control of this program and where the program is at, and it's going to be a fun 2021 season. So I'm also not going to watch that game and hope Texas wins because we've already beaten them. Be careful what you wish for. You'd hate for Texas to come back and get some payback of their own in the Big 12 championship game. So um, at the same time, let's just kind of talk about that with just what we know. 
Chisholm brought this up on the radio, Chisholm Holland, uh, earlier today, and it's a fascinating stat. Oklahoma, since the Big 12 championship game, has been reinstated, so 2017 against TCU. So Oklahoma's obviously played in all of them, but then there's been TCU, Texas, mm-hmm. uh, Baylor. Who else am I missing? 2017, 2018, 2019. Oh, yeah. And if it's Iowa State, then we're talking about a conference where Oklahoma State has not played in it, or West Virginia hasn't played in it, Texas Tech, Kansas State, even though they had a good chance this year. Uh, But that was interesting to me, just from the Oklahoma State standpoint. But it's also interesting because think about where Texas has been in these last few years. They've been ranked. They've been good enough to make it, and they just can't. So that just gives me all the thinking in the world that Iowa State's going to go down to Austin and just beat them. Because they are, I think that they're the better team. I said this earlier, and I think you'll agree with me. I mean, I would say will win that game if and only if Joseph Osai doesn't go nuts. Yes. If Joseph Osai dominates that game, which we saw what Nick Benito did against Iowa State's tackles, and we saw what Trace Ford did against Iowa State's tackles. Exactly. It's That's that's the biggest worry. I mean, that if you're Iowa State. And then if that happens, then it presents a unique opportunity for the Big 12 for a four-way tie at the top of the conference. I'm so sick and tired of ties in this conference, man. I'm so sick of it. Hey, just if that's actually good for Oklahoma, Texas wants to know. Well, I thought Oklahoma was in – I thought they were just in control of their own destiny. I thought it didn't matter. Oh, we – you're going to make me go through this for about the 5,000th time. Have you seen my tweets? Well, do it for the listeners who don't pay attention. Okay, okay, okay. Someone asked me yesterday, like after I had just tweeted it out like yes. an hour before, and I about quote tweeted it and was like, can someone please tell him what's going on? Anyways, there's a chance. So Texas-Iowa State play on Friday, so let's go there first and then – oh, and then No, just in general, even if that doesn't happen. Yeah. So if Iowa State loses another game, they have Texas and West Virginia on their schedule. If Iowa State loses one of those two games and Kansas State – wins out and beats Texas. They have Baylor, I believe Kansas, maybe. They may have Baylor. And, they may just have Baylor and, t- and Texas left. But if Kansas State beats Texas and they finish with three losses and Texas finishes with three losses, or if Texas finishes with four, regardless, if Kansas State finishes fourth and it's a three-way tie between Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, and Iowa State, then it would be Iowa State and Oklahoma State instead of Oklahoma because – Kansas State would be the fourth-ranked team in the Big 12, and the tiebreaker then would go to who has the best record against the fourth-ranked team. There you go. Silly. Does that make any sense to you? It does, but because you spelled it out for me, but I think it's silly. Yeah, it doesn't make much sense. I mean, if you're like – I like that they don't go to rankings anymore, although that helped Oklahoma in 2008. Um I like that they don't use rankings because, like, of course, Oklahoma's always going to, if, you know, they're in that spot to be on a tiebreaker, Oklahoma's always going to be. I'd like for them to just use their brains and just say, hey, and I test it. You really trust this conference to I test it well? I think it'd be just be easy. OU Texas every year. I think it would just be easy. Yeah. Ha- well, if Texas is in a position where they're kind of tied with some teams on in the record book, then fine. Like, yeah, it's the reason why we don't do that is because we can't point to any reference point or any bullet point of, like, how the science actually works. It's like, no, we know Oklahoma, at least at this point, if the season ended today, if they're in some weird tie with OSU, ISU, and Kansas State, 
we know today Kansas State is not the team that they were a month ago, nor was o- nor is Oklahoma. Mm-hmm. And even still, that game had to have some flukiness for Kansas State to barely win. So that's why I'm just like, use your brains. Yeah. It's it's that simple, but I don't think that's going to happen. No, I don't think it. I think Kansas State will lose to Texas. I think Kansas State is just washed. They're, yeah. they're, they're not very good without Skylar Thompson. Man, it makes all. you appreciate Skylar Thompson a little bit, though. He's he's good. He's actually had when you ever you look at his completion percentage and like the numbers he's put up, rushing mm-hmm. touchdowns, this and that. He's had a pretty good career. He's at Kansas a high State. end for what Kansas State needs out of their quarterback. So yeah, they of course they would love to have like a the second coming of L. Robeson or Michael I Bishop. I, if I watched the tape and I remember correctly, they've got a quarterback coming in this year. He's really good, like really really good. And that's the that's the and if Chris Kleiman is mm-hmm. bringing in a four star quarterback. Man, there's no telling what he can do with him. Well, how long is climbing going to be there? Well, I think Campbell's off the board this year. And I know... Hell, I've if given Michigan him, was smart now. Well, I know that I give Ian, and I've brought him up a lot. He he is good at what he does. Ian but, Boyd. Yes, I bring him up a lot. He wrote a column on... Matt Campbell did a uh, piece with either Pat Forty or something or uh, Feldman or one of those guys, national guys. And uh, Campbell basically was like, just get me to Michigan. And I don't disagree with Ian on that take. It's like, okay, well, if Harbaugh gets fired, Campbell's going to go to Michigan. Campbell's, Campbell's an Ohio guy, right? I think yeah. he, he was at Toledo. I don't know if he's from Ohio. No, he's, he's from Ohio. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah, so it would be really weird. He grew up there, went to three different schools in Ohio, coached in one. He coached on Urban Meyer, by the way, at Bowling Green. That would be such a great move by Michigan. I think it would be, too. Clearly, just just get away from the mold of Michigan, man. Well, it's one of those things like, does does Matt Campbell – does Matt Campbell – like, it's it's one of those worries like people had with Grinch. Like, can he do well with better players? Can he handle egos? Yeah, can with the expectations. The, yeah. Now, I think that, I mean, you look at it's his career at Iowa State is very in line with what James Franklin did at Vanderbilt, with what McCampbell did. Okay. And so, does he have it in him? I think he does. It just worries me that you know, if you look at the places he's had success at Toledo. Iowa yeah. State. Yeah. Um, it's just it's not Michigan. Like Michigan at its best can be really good. I mean, we've we've seen it. They haven't been able to beat Ohio State. They have but all the money, they've all the resources. They definitely they're, have they're all just, the they're, money. They're a big ten version of Texas. They exactly with a true. much worse recent history. Much worse recent history. I'm talking about the last 20, 25 years. Uh, I, was, I was talking about I mean, you Michigan winning wise, they at least win eight, nine games a year. Texas hasn't won. Well, I know this decade hasn't been good for Texas. Texas no. and Michigan have been about the same this, no, this I, previous I decade, yeah. but the decade before Texas was much better than Michigan. Yeah. So, yeah, I don't know. It's going to be interesting. I, I, I mean, again, in a big game like that as well down there in Austin this weekend, like you have to, to count for the coaching matchup. Like I take Matt Campbell and John Heacock over yeah. Tom Herman and uh, – and uh, Chris Ash. Well, so. I think I think what you except were, Texas defense is playing pretty good right now. But I think what you were saying earlier, and of course Texas did have a an extra bye week by not having to play yes. Kansas. I mean they didn't have to play at all. So, and then, but then Iowa State comes out and just drums Kansas State. Well, yeah. Good God, that game was over in six minutes. No, I think what to what you were saying about standard, like if Matt Campbell's at 
Michigan, like, can he handle that? Is he the same type of coach with the same type of success? I think as we kind of bring that back to the OU uh, perspective, if OU wins out and they indeed play Iowa State, that's why I would have a lot of faith going into that game that OU will dominate this game. Yeah. Ha- knowing full well that Matt Campbell's a, a good coach, everything up, Hecox's great defensive coordinator, everything about them is good, but the expectation is different. The standard is different. The stage is different. Yeah. You're not playing a game after a shocking home upset with a bunch of young guys going up to Ames, Iowa against a team that we know our coaches have told us that they're good, but it's Iowa State. Like, eh. I mean, I think Oklahoma... I, I, and if that's the case, then shame on OU for thinking that. Well, but. if they had, had beaten Kansas State and something like that happened, I think I said this on the post game. If that would have happened, I yeah. But hmm. I think that Iowa State had Oklahoma's attention just from the basis of, at that point, you lose that game, you lose your sixth straight Big 12 championship, and then Skylar Thompson gets hurt yeah. at Oklahoma State. Like, that's, that's the thing, too. Like, what a lot of people, and I'll say this, People come to us for film, for some stories. I wrote a really good Ronnie Perkins story. If you want to check it out on Soonerswire.com. But, like, people have been giving Steven some grief this last week over the, like, Andre? Oh, no, Steven uh, Plassant. Oh, okay. Plassant. Plassant. For his 5% after Oklahoma lost to Iowa State to make the Big 12 championship game. It's like, do people realize how crazy it's been for Oklahoma to get there? Yeah, like, the, the real reason why Oklahoma has a chance and is in the driver's seat now is because Skylar Thompson got hurt. And, if Skylar Thompson doesn't get hurt, who and, knows? And Oklahoma State lost to Texas. Yeah. If Oklahoma State doesn't lose that game to Texas, if if they actually don't turn the football over, what, six times was it, I believe? No, maybe four. If they don't turn it over four times, have the kickoff return go for a touchdown and not rough the kicker, rough the punter, like Oklahoma State wins that game, like Oklahoma's in a tie – or, or Oklahoma's third. in third right now yeah. w- with Texas. And or they're hoping Oklahoma State loses either to TCU or, or tech. tech or Iowa State loses to Texas and it becomes a three-way tie there. I mean, Oklahoma would get in at that point, I yeah. think. No, they wouldn't because Kansas no. State, unless West Virginia becomes the fifth. So, yeah, like a lot has had to happen and go Oklahoma's way. Mm-hmm. And, like, I mean, even though our, our eyes would tell us, like, if, if that's the way it played out, Oh, Oklahoma's probably the best team in this conference. But guess what? That's what you and I were saying after Kansas State and after Iowa State. We know this team is the best team in this conference. Yeah. And when they figured out and they hit their ceiling, they had the highest ceiling in this conference. <coughs> so I that, thought at the time it was Oklahoma State. But uh, I will say, and you've heard me say this, and you saw me tweet during the game, Tevin Jenkins goes down. I mean, it changed the game. It just completely changed the game. Like, Oklahoma State got so conservative. So, so conservative. So, yep. um. And then Lincoln just pants Mike Gundy, which was hilarious. Yeah. Um, I find pure enjoyment out of it after Mike com- Gundy's comments post game and yesterday. By what, the way, getting out schemed. That how can you? I I again. I said this with Sam. We played it during my spot yesterday. I respect the honesty. I do because he was asked about it. So I respect him answering an on a, a tough question honestly. But there's two things he should not have brought up. We underestimated their personnel. That's terrible. And two, that you went to your team and told them we should have done something different and that he signed off on the game plans. Like, those so two things. He underrated the, underestimated their personnel in that he didn't expect Mikey Henderson or Braden Willis. Or Ronnie Perkins or Nick Benito. I don't know who it, you know, I don't know who it was. But probably Mikey Henderson. I would assume that's part of it, but Mikey Henderson had success because of Lincoln Riley's schemes. Yeah. Um, 
So I got put in good spots. Yeah. Like, well, I mean, you heard Oklahoma State people last week talking about how they didn't think Oklahoma's defensive line was as as good as what was being advertised. That got on display. Yeah. Um, I mean, the few times. Perry Perry on Winfrey didn't play that good. Yeah. And God, they just beat the piss out of them. Probably probably has to do with Oklahoma's receivers, but when I think about the two or three contested opportunity catches in that game for both sides oh you made all of them oh you guys made all the contested catches mm-hmm. it, it was probably had more to do with just mike gundy's faith in his secondary and i don't blame him because the second their secondary was in great position marvin mims just made a play theo east just made a catch off of an nfl throw so i mean it is what it is yep but i mean oklahoma's sitting pretty just got to go down to take care of business in Morgantown, and I guess you hope for Iowa State to win on Friday night, but um, I think you just kind of—I mean, at this point, it would be—it would be a little bit of a letdown at this point, considering what we know and what we are kind of, you know, feeling off of that Bedlam victory. If OU got in that weird, if Kansas State won some games, and OU got in that weird situation where they just get left out, mm-hmm. but. I think the overall feeling of this team and this season and what it ultimately means would probably still be the same. But, um, I mean, we'll, we'll get we'll cross that bridge when we get there, Keegan. We've still got West Virginia matchups to look forward to on Thursday. So, um, but at the last for the last kind of bit of this, you did mention your Ronnie Perkins story, and I got to read about you know, the first two or three paragraphs before you walked into the door. So uh, just go ahead and tell me what I'm uh, about to read once you leave and then pump it up. Yeah, it's interesting. And you know this, like this year it's been hard to write a bunch of stories and stuff because you don't have as much access as well as like, it was tough to, (laughs) it was, it's kind of just been tough to put like quality stories together that aren't fluff pieces. And you've, you've heard me talk about that. Like, I just won't do that. Like I just, just not in my DNA. Like I refuse to. So, um, this really over 2000 words. Um, and I spoke to a uh, Ronnie Perkins high school coach on Sunday night. And I, th- I think, you know, the best thing that I did was I set up one of the questions with, just reading the quote that Ronnie gave him, gave us post game about the cage lion comment. And I read that to him and I go, what is Ronnie Perkins like when his mindset's like this? And, you know, one, he said, when his mindset's like this, no one can stop him. And then his final, I was like, I was like, you see, you saw Ronnie chirping, 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 making plays, making plays and letting the other team know about it. Like how much fun is it as a coach whenever you get to see that? Yeah, and he basically goes, he's unstoppable. He's unstoppable. Kind of like Rocky Four, the Russian from Rocky Four, or maybe he said another name that's um, Drago. Is, yeah, I don't know, but he he's like, whenever his mind's made up that he's gonna go, no one's gonna stop him. And uh, you know, so I thought it was a really good story, a bunch of collaborative posts or quotes from the year. Um, I thought I'd finish the first um, page really well with uh, the quote from Alex Grinch during uh, camp or after the Missouri State game, whenever he, you know, Ronnie Perkins, he's, you know, from St. Louis, Missouri. He's an Oklahoma Sooner, a dang good one. So, now I think it's, I thought it was put, I thought I put it well, I uh, put together well, and I think people are going to enjoy it. I, they're still enjoying it so far, so yeah. readership's been good, so, yeah. I look forward to checking it out, Keegan, but I'm not going to do it when you're here. 
It's kind of weird. Nice. No, it's okay. It's kind of weird. Uh, what are your Thanksgiving plans? Probably, I don't know. I think we have family dinner at some point. Hopefully, it's not watch the Detroit Lions, even though our boy AD is playing for him. My dad's a Detroit Lions fan, so really, I'm, yeah, diehard. Does right. so he have Adrian Peterson jersey? No, he's just waiting until they're good. I think to kind of come out of the shell, but he's definitely been a. I my dad so. Growing up, right, he was born in the late 60s. Late 60s. No, early 70s. He's 56. Anyways, when he was growing up... He would be in, he would be in a, the mid-60s then. He's born in the mid-60s. Yeah, he's younger than 60. So, when he was growing up, right, the Lakers with Magic. Mm-hmm. Bert, he was Magic Bird. My dad's a huge Lakers fan. Was until the Thunder came. Okay. And then Barry Sanders with the Lions. So... There you go. He was a my dad. Basically, what I'm saying is, my dad was a bandwagon fan. Nothing wrong with that, except for the Cardinals. We've been Cardinals fans through and through. There you go. There you go. One of the things that I've uh, always thought of a huge what if. It might have made your dad a little happier now that I think about it. If Sam Bradford had come out the year that he should have, instead of coming back for 2009, I really, really wonder if he would have got drafted ahead of Matt Stafford. Uh, I, d- I think he would have. I. D- I don't think so just from the standpoint of Matt Stafford just has more muscles, and we all know how that kind of I just goes. always remember the conversation with Sam was like his pro about his pro day. That that's that's what I that's why, because at the time, Sam was a first-round talent, but no one was saying that he's going to be the number one overall pick or a top three or top five pick. But I think as you got closer to the draft and you saw all the workouts, I think people would have fell in love with his accuracy and the way the ball came off of his hand because, like, look, Sam had unfortunate – injury history and that's ultimately on him and that's probably one of the big reasons why his career ended the way that it did Mm -hmm. but he didn't also get a he didn't get a fair shake whatsoever from the team that he got drafted by and my whole hope was man i wish he just came out it would have made 2009 easier for everybody yeah uh to to basically go through and maybe jermaine gresham leaves as well and maybe his career is much different but sam potentially getting drafted by the lions with calvin johnson and that offense for his career, oh my God, he would have been a Pro Bowler. Didn't, multi- he have, didn't multi- Sam Bradford have Brandon Cooks like as his best receiver? Damian, Danny Amendola, and Brandon, Brandon Cooks. Brandon Cooks, like when we're talking about St. Louis, Sam. Brandon Cooks and Stephen Jackson were his best skill guys, and Stephen Jackson was a old school I formation power back. He yeah. was like Ramondre Stevenson. Well, Sam Bradford would be like if, if it was the NFL today. Like, he'd be really good. Like, if it was like a, not saying the 49ers, but maybe a little more complicated than that, but he'd be really good on offense like that. No, he's definitely more pro style. Because, well, actually, the best, I think the best group he was ever around was that uh, short period of time where he was a Minnesota Viking. Because mm-hmm. you had Kyle Rudolph, you had uh, Stephon Diggs, uh, you had a few other good skill position guys to, to supplement. He had a pretty good offensive line. He just unfortunately got hurt again. But I'll never forget, what was that, Sunday night football or Monday night football against the Saints? It was that one game where Adrian Peterson actually played for the Saints before he got traded or, or cut. I can't remember. He ended up with the Cardinals that year. Um, but Sam just destroyed New Orleans' defense. I think he was damn near perfect. And John Gruden on the call was like, when he gets protection, when he gets protected by his offensive line, this dude is like one of the best quarterbacks I've ever studied. And this is John Gruden. So... I hate thinking about Sam because then my brain just goes right to his NFL career. Well, you got Jeff Fisher. We didn't mention him. Oh, fucking Jeff Fisher. Yeah, that guy's an idiot. 
As a fool. Yeah. So, uh, but no. Anything else? What are you doing for Thanksgiving? I'm uh, probably just going to... I've seen my parents rather consistently during this time, so I'm not going anywhere, you know? But I am just going to go to my parents' house. Yeah. It's just going to be the uh, three or four of us girlfriends coming with, so... Uh, grandparents aren't going to be like we canceled our family Thanksgiving so we're trying to do our part but yeah I guess I'm still technically leaving my apartment in Oklahoma City and going to a different town so oh no don't tell our mayor I mean he's not your mayor you're from Edmund yeah I know <laughs> I'm glad I'm not from Broken Arrow I can tell you that <laughs> don't piss off our Broken Arrow listeners inside OU listeners we love you Keegan well, did we miss anything no is there anything else from the presser today? I can't think of anything. I mean, I could definitely talk about the press conference if you want me well, to. Well, do you want to talk about Trajan Bridges for a few seconds? We kind of mentioned him at the beginning. I We did ask about Austin Stogner today, which we failed in that. But as you all know, He's I fine, will be he? on top of that for this week. Austin Stogner's probably going to be fine. Yeah. I hope. But Braden Willis is also really good. I told Mike Steely, please, Braden Willis, don't, don't transfer. Please don't. Just be patient. Lincoln Riley will use you in some positive way. Yeah, they're about to have Stogner, Henderson, Willis, and Hall back for next year. <laughs> oh, so you're all about Jeremiah Hall coming back because earlier on you weren't. What do you mean? He's a senior, isn't he? He's a junior. He's a junior? I believe. Redshirt junior. Was he a freshman in 2018 when he caught that fourth down pass from Kyler in Lubbock? Redshirt freshman, I believe, yeah. Goodness. Okay, yeah, he's Yeah, because 2017 was Flowers, so Hall didn't play that much. That's true. You're right. I'm not good at math. Yeah, please, Braden, stay. Yeah, and again, the I want to reiterate it again before we get out of here. Like, I'm not trying to be, like, super negative whenever I said what I was saying earlier. But, man, if Oklahoma hits the ceiling now, good God. Whenever they play their best game, we're going to know it is what I'm trying to say. Well, that's the good thing about this team and what's fun is they're continuing to get better and yeah. they had a gigantic step up in competition and yet they're still trending up, which yep. gives me the thought that they'll go into Morgantown and it might be tense for a quarter or two because all these games have been kind of tense at moments, but Oklahoma should probably win rather solidly and, and look good doing people it. People that have listened and I've, we've nailed, I think, every game since the Kansas State game on this podcast, I believe for the most part. And you look back at Texas Tech game, we both were talking about how that they were just going to kick the crap out of them. Um, Bedlam, I thought we did a really good job on, despite I, you switching your score last minute. I admitted it, um, even though my initial prediction was <laughs> fairly close to the final score. But go ahead. We'll talk about it tomorrow, probably over Zoom, whatever. But uh, I think Oklahoma's going to kick. Uh, I don't think West Virginia's that good. I think they're getting hyped up. Oh, I mean, we that's what we do. We do the same song and dance. Like, their OU's opponent, if they have a pulse, like, oh, God, they're, look out, look out. <laughs> yeah, their, their offensive um, line's bad. Jared Doug is not as good as... He throws, uh, he throws sideways he makes a lot. Three, he makes three to four passes a game. That's it. Yeah. No, like like I said, o, OU, it's more so of what OU is doing. They're trending in the right sure. direction. They get better and better each week. So they should destroy West Virginia. They should dominate Baylor. And if they play Iowa State, they should win that game and then we might see them hit their ceiling against potentially Texas A&M or whoever they play in the Cotton Bowl if that's their ultimate destination so um, we'll get we'll get there when we get there Trajan Bridges any final thoughts you know it for his sake and I can tell you I know a little bit about as you know I know a little bit about the situation now and they're just kind of they're, it's really just waiting on the NCAA finalize it so 
whenever that comes. We will see. I and when he comes back though, and you've heard me people have saw me tweet this. I have you've you've heard me talk about this, Brady, for before we even started the podcast. I have heard nothing but good things. Nothing but good things. So Good. Really good things. Yeah, he's he's pretty damn extremely good. He's pretty talented. Ta- extremely talented. Well we will see. Uh until then, everybody, thank you so much for listening to the Inside OU podcast. And I hope you all have a happy and safe Thanksgiving. Thank you all uh, for listening along the way. But like I said, we'll try our best to get... I mean, we're going to get the Thursday pod out. I just don't know if we're going to be doing it in person or not, just depending on plans. But you will have a Thursday West Virginia Matchups podcast to look forward to. And then like Keegan said earlier on the show, uh, his West Virginia... or his Excuse me, his Oklahoma State film review will be on our Patreon page tomorrow. Yes. Around Wednesday morning, Wednesday afternoon. So look forward to that. Subscribe. No, if you're no press conference tomorrow. Nope. So None of that. We'll have a uh, full Wednesday. None of that crap. Everybody, thank you so much. Thank you to Mike Steely for joining me for Media Corner at the top of the show. But until next time, everybody, th- happy Thanksgiving and Boomer Center.